the first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. While they had all those, you know, those AV cards in the library and all these kids surrounding it, biting their nails and just staring in horror and watching, you know, the news footage that everybody else was watching. We were watching this real time. There was no time delay. So we're watching it as it happens. And one of my fellow students, she was a grade below me, and she saw her mother being carried out, and um, she didn't make it. Welcome to the First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Fanick, and I'm sitting 3,000 miles away from Alexis Linkletter and Billy. Jensen. <laughs> hey. Hey guys, what's Here up? We are. Here we are living together. Still. I, I I wonder if our listeners can really like hear and feel the palpable um energy between the two of you right now. We are sitting at a card table in a basement in Syosset, New York. And there is a mural here that I wonder like if they got a a, a teenage high school student to, to put it together. It's psychedelic in the weirdest ways. It's so not Syosset. It, it should be in some weird, you know, sort of East Village type of thing, but we're digging it. We're, we're just rolling with it. Some weird like sex basement or something. No, we wouldn't say that. But- I think that it probably was. The homeowner <laughs> told me she toned it down a lot. I'm like, how? How has this toned down? I don't understand, but Allegedly, she. Yeah. this is a toned-down version. And to the right of us is a screening room with, like, six uh, seats. They're, like, red Lazy Boy recliners. With Ooh, we watched yeah. the Emmys on it last they night. They have a yeah. giant projector pull-down thing. It's just a crazy setup. I mean, I'm, in, I'm really into it. It's, like, wood-paneled walls, and it's really great. We would have been bored quarantining without it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Billy's my roomie. It's been a delight. Here we are. (laughs) What day is it, Billy? What day is it, Billy? All right. It's National Great American Pot Pie Day. Ooh, I love a good chicken pot pie. There's nothing better than a pot pie. Or a shepherd's pie with some shredded beef in it. Oh, I mean, that is just, I always forget about a pot pie. I never like. Ordering a pot pie is sort of like one of those things where, you're 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 basically telling everybody in the restaurant, I'm going to eat this, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing there's nothing else you're that de- you're gonna do. You're after. definitely not gonna go rage after a pot pie. You're not getting wasted. There's no there's too much junk in your stomach after that. What I wanna do is I wanna challenge myself to make a pot pie with all of my favorite Thanksgiving fixings, like <gasps> turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, Wait. corn, gravy pot pie with that. a cornbread crust. This? Can you make that? Yes. Yes. I will right. make we're, that. We're doing- I need to see. Uh, is, is there like a Pinterest recipe for this? This sounds. I just made that up. I know. I'm going to make it. I just wonder if it exists all the, already. This is a great, great With a cornbread crust. Isn't that a good idea? That's a great And idea. if you're into it, I don't like cooked fruit, but like a cranberry sauce drizzle. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we're doing that. She hates cooked fruit, but yes. But also it's 
National Snack Stick Day. So I will bring like a Slim Jim. Slim Jims. Yeah, I'll bring the Slim Jims. Yeah, that's all Billy's capable of as ha- someone who's lived with him. I'm like, can you cook anything? He's like, no. Do we want to bring up the fact that Billy doesn't know how to cook a hamburger? Yeah, I asked Billy to grill. I was like, okay, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to make this salad. I'm going to make yeah. dip. I'm going to make this eight-layer dip. And he's just – I was like, you can do the grill, right? You can grill these burgers. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. All right. <laughs> I make a mean peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Billy. You want cereal? It's all there. Ask my children. I'm just going to – You're worse than me in the kitchen, well, I which him, is I said, what horrible. did you cook for your kids? And he said cereal for dinner. <laughs> oh, my God, Billy. You're lucky that you've had other and people PB&J. take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. Depending on your generation, we have those defining moments of our childhood, those moments that are frozen in time. You can recall exactly where you were, who you were sitting next to, the imagery of those seconds in Technicolor. For baby boomers, it's the Kennedy assassination. For Gen Xers, it's the Challenger explosion. And for my generation, it's 9-11. And those moments are seared into our memory. But imagine how you would feel if you were a child watching these events unfold on TV and not knowing if a loved one was there at one of these sites, at one of these events, was dead or alive. So today's case takes us back to April 19th of 1995. The songs This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan, Take a Bow by Madonna, and Red Light Special by TLC were topping the charts. And movies like Bad Boys and a Goofy movie were in theaters. The setting for today's case is Oklahoma City. Now the name Oklahoma comes from the Choctaw words Okla, meaning people, and Humma, meaning red. In terms of land area, Oklahoma City is the fourth largest in the nation. Only Anchorage, Jacksonville, and Houston encompass more square miles. But when it comes to Oklahoma City, much of that area is rural and sparsely populated. When pinpointing exactly where today's story begins unfolding, we're starting on a school bus on the way to Oaks Middle School, where first-degree Megan was an eighth-grade student. Morning routine. Was mom was usually gone. We had to take the bus to school every day. My big sister was in high school. Me and my little sister were both in middle school. It's 95, so I would have been 14 that September. I was the youngest in my class. Megan's day was normal. She went about her normal routine and shuffled from one class to the next. The time was approaching 9 a.m. Then they felt it. This was second period for me, and this was art class. 
beautiful day, which is really, really, really rare. One of the walls was complete plate glass window. We heard it. We all got up, noses to the window, fingerprints everywhere, you know, all over the window. And we're like, there's no storm clouds, but it's not unusual. It's Oklahoma. Weather changes every two hours. So we heard it. We heard it again. The whole building shook. And then we saw smoke rising. And as a 13-year-old in middle school who saw the explosion, who felt it, saw the entire skyline go up, it looked like a fireplace. <laughs> I don't think any of us were even crying. I think we're just, we were just all kind of just standing there. And we were just, like, immobile. Like, we were kids. couldn't wrap our brains around anything except what is going on and where's my mom, where's my dad, where's my sister, where's my aunt, where's my uncle. Following the sound of an explosion, you can almost picture the ripple effects of what happened next. The confused looks that crept onto the faces of the teachers at Oaks Middle School. Looks that morphed from bewilderment to fear before transforming to terror. Panic set in, and the school administrators instructed teachers to bring all the students to the school's library. While they had all those, you know, those AV cards in the library and all these kids surrounding it, biting their nails and just staring in horror and watching, you know, the news footage that everybody else was watching. News of what happened made its way through the school. There had been an explosion at the Alfred P. Murrow Federal Building. When they said it was the Federal Building, and at first they thought it was a gas bomb, what went through my head was, as a 13-year-old, I knew Mom worked tallest building in the city, tallest tower. I had no idea the proximity. I had no idea how many people were hurt, how widespread the damage was. Now, looking back, everybody knows exactly how far away they were, but I never even thought about that as a child. I'm like, where's my mom? How close was she? Did she get out? I, did, I just didn't know. I was ignorant. I didn't know enough about the layout. I just knew my mom was there. So at the time of the explosion, the building was the place for business, for approximately 600 federal and contract workers, as well as an estimated 250 visitors daily. Now, there were a lot of federal agencies in this structure. The DEA, Secret Service, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Social Security, the U.S. Army, the U.S. Marine Corps, the Veterans Administration, the General Accounting Office, the Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Defense, U.S. Customs Service, Department of Agriculture, Department of Transportation, General Services Administration, the offices of the Federal Employees Credit Union, and, and this is important, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. But also in the building was the America's Kids Child Care Development Center which served as a daycare center for many of the employees at the building. You know, of course, there was continuous coverage. None of that, 
I remember as vividly as I remember watching the live coverage from my classroom on those AV carts. And we just recently thought about it. You know, these teachers are watching TV for the same thing. You know, they kept on classes as usual. They were trying to keep us focused and calm. And I can't applaud them enough. I wish I could call every single one of them right now. We were watching this real time. There was no time delay. So we're watching it as it happens. And one of my fellow students, she was a grade below me. And she saw her mother being carried out. And um, she didn't make it. This was the reality of the situation. Within moments of the bomb detonating, the area within close proximity to the federal building resembled a war zone. Nearly a third of the building was reduced to a pile of rubble and debris and exposed the interior of the building's nine floors. The blast torched countless vehicles and damaged or flattened upwards of 300 buildings in the area. The sheer force of the explosion hit with such ferocity that it caused the first and second floors to be blown against the southern portion of the building, while the third through ninth floors were initially raised by the blast and flattened on top of each other onto the street below. Damage extended to the city's downtown area, covering approximately 48 square blocks. Cars were overturned and on fire blocks away from the explosion. The Regency Tower, a 24-story, 273-unit apartment complex located one block to the west, was hit with damage. Directly north of the building, the two-story Oklahoma Water Resources Board Office building, the Journal Record building, and the Athenian building were badly damaged. Along with the First Methodist Church and YMCA to the east, the Federal Courthouse to the south, and the St. Joseph's Old Cathedral and Rectory and the U.S. Post Office to the west. Back at Oaks Middle School, Megan and her classmates were reeling. The thing about my mom is I thought she could be dead. And I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> there's no cell phone. There's no social media. The phone lines were dead. The phone lines were dead, and that's because the blast from the bomb knocked out primary and backup phone lines for the Emergency Medical Services Authority. In fact, 911 was the only emergency communication remaining, and this caused more than just confusion, but also prevented individuals who had loved ones in these buildings from getting answers about the status of their loved one's safety. It was literally a matter of life or death, but people were forced to wait, and one of those people was Megan. I was in the office for hours trying to get through to my mom and we'd get a dial tone and I would dial out and no busy signal. It was just dead air. Hundreds of thousands of people didn't know if their loved ones were alive or not. We just had to sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait. As loved ones waited for news, the rescue effort began immediately. Fire. EMTs, police, even civilians who just couldn't sit by as their city burned, they entered this structure, which was just demolished, and they joined this massive search and rescue effort. And rescuers could be seen risking their own lives in the effort to pull from the rubble anyone who could have survived the blast and who could be still inside but incapacitated. So people formed these human chains. And the person at the top of the chain would lead. 
and moved the chain into the building. And they were sort of like holding hands. If they found someone, they could quickly pull them out of the building this way. And why why do they need chains? You're thinking like, why? You have to remember there was smoke and dust in the air. You couldn't see. Visibility was obstructed. And there weren't any lights in the building. It was blind chaos. And the clock was ticking. Because each second could get someone closer to death. Because they could succumb to injuries or smoke inhalation. And as if this nightmare wasn't bad enough, during the search and rescue, there were two bomb scares. And when the alarm of a potential secondary device was sounded, everyone had to stop, stop searching, and run away from the scene. Rescue workers couldn't start up again until the coast was clear. Right. And while all this is going on, some students at Megan's school were getting picked up by the parents, but not all of them. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor Meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor Meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Stodd, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 
10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Students would be called out of class very quietly. And each time it happened, there would be like this hush that came over the classroom. And it's like everybody's holding their breath. And some of the students would come back, you know, tears and shaking and saying, she's okay or he's okay. And then you could just hear like all at once this audible sigh of, these children being thankful for their classmate that their mom's alive. It's like everybody was grasping onto, oh, thank God, you know, oh, thank God she's okay. I, I don't know her. I've never met the woman. I've never met him. But, oh, thank God there's another one that's safe. And then there were students called out, and they never came back. I don't know if their parents had come to pick them up. I don't know if it was bad news. And that's why they never came back. I realized that the school wasn't sending anybody home. They couldn't because they didn't know if there was a mother or a father to go home to for that child. They couldn't stop classes. If a parent wanted to come pick up a child, they would. My mom couldn't. (laughs) Mom wasn't coming. The fact that Megan's mom hadn't picked her up created a fear in Megan, and it's difficult to describe unless you've experienced it yourself. I don't think there's any word that can do it justice. I mean, I can wrap my brain all day. People say terror. People say scared. People say horrified. People say all kinds of words, and I can't compare it to anything. I can't. It was just, I felt like I was going to explode inside. I was, like, suspended. And I was either going to fall down into this never-ending pit, I was going to stay suspended, or I was going to be lifted up. Megan's mom usually picks her up from school, but as the hours ticked by, she realized she wasn't coming. So I took the bus home that day, and I got off the bus. My little sister gets off the bus, and my big sister gets off the following bus. And we're, like, less than a block from the bus stop. Megan and her sisters walked towards the home, not knowing if their mom would be there or if she was buried in the chaos of the Alfred P. Murrah building and the structures that surrounded it. Before we could get to my house, to the front door. My mother comes out racing from the house across the street and she got us all in her arms and her legs went out from under her. We all just kind of collapsed there in the middle of 38th Street. I don't know. I don't remember how long we were there. And my mom later said, what got her? 
out of there was the thing where I thought, I gotta get home to my babies. I gotta get home to my babies. I gotta get home to my babies. And so when she grabbed us, when we got home, the first word she said, my babies, oh, my babies. Megan's mom, June, had made it. My mom says she's alive. I don't see any blood. She was relatively unscathed. You know, everybody had debris and everything over her, but she wasn't hurt. She didn't have a broken bone. I was worried for her. I was scared for her because this is my mother. This is the strongest woman that I, still strongest woman that I've ever known. And while physically Megan's mother had survived, her process towards healing mentally would not be only difficult, but ongoing. Before she was able to even talk about it, she had nightmares. And later, you know, later she would tell me these, she would have these nightmares of just hearing it. And she'd wake up screaming and sitting up in bed, sweating, crying. I'm sure she has. PTSD. I think a lot of a lot of Oklahomans do. Whether they were there, whether they knew anybody, it was just this impact on our community that everybody was just shattered and broken and empty inside. And um, she's hurting so badly. And I don't think my relief was as big as my concern for her. It's like, my mom is hurting so bad. This is my rock. I'm still terrified because I can't fix her. <laughs> so there's this instant relief isn't even a word. And then there's this terror all over again because... Your mom's hurting. The person you love the most in the world is hurting so badly. It's like, I wish I could take that pain, you know, my loved ones. I would rather take that pain upon myself than watch them go through it. And experiencing that with my mother, I think that was my first experience with that. And it stayed with me. And that feeling that day was, You didn't even have to speak a word. You knew what that other person was feeling. They knew what you were feeling. And you could see it in each other's eyes. But we were young. She had to raise us. She still had to remain strong for us. So it was years before I knew the details, especially the very, 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 very specific details. And like Megan said, it was years before June shared the details of her experience. And when she finally did tell her children, she started at the very beginning with the blast. The first thing she told us was that it felt like her entire building had been lifted 100 feet in the air and then dropped. So that's when the blast went off. Then chaos, horror, and of course, concern. People around her were rushing here and there. Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Everybody's trying to locate where everybody was in the building. Next, hyper-focus, 
survival instincts. She said she went into autopilot. She couldn't make it through unless she protected herself. And her way of protecting herself was going through muscle memory, putting herself on autopilot. They were finally like, June, (laughs) get out, get out. We have to leave. And they had to take the elevator down. They couldn't take the stairs down. So they're confined in this small space. Everybody is holding hands in the elevator. Tears running down their face. And, you know, my mom doesn't consider herself a any particular religion, but um, they all set the Lord's Prayer on their way down. June made it outside. And then uh, my mom had to find her way to the car, which was her next hurdle, because it was in the parking garage. So she was trying to figure out the safest route to her car. So she got as quickly to the parking garage as she could. She didn't want to take the elevator up because she was scared of being confined and didn't know what was going to happen next. So she walked up the stairs to, I think she was on the fourth floor of the parking garage. And then her next hurdle was, how the fuck do I get home? Which way do I go? I can't go down I-40. Emergency vehicles need to go that way. I can't go down Reno. Do I go north? Do I go this way? And unfortunately, the way she went, (laughs) she said there are police cars, there's fire trucks going all around her. And she said, I pressed that accelerator as hard as I could. And she's going around like concrete and glass and remnants of buildings. And she's like, I don't give a fuck if I get pulled over. I don't give a fuck what happens. She got home as quickly as she could. I don't know how long that actually took her. It must have felt like hours. It could have been hours. And she still won't tell me exactly what she saw. I think it's too hard for her, and she doesn't want to put that on me. I know she saw people and parts. Even saying your worst nightmare is not even worthy. And finally home. She got home and she tried the phone. Phone couldn't work through and she was like, I gotta get a hold of them. I gotta get a hold of them. And she couldn't. And the neighbors across the street just saw through the storm door that my mom was just kind of standing there in the middle of the house. And without asking, the neighbor just came over and ran through the the door and grabbed her and said, are you okay? And she's like, no, (laughs) I'm not okay. And you have to realize that the totality of this experience, really living it, the trauma of such an event is beyond comprehension if you haven't been close to something similar yourself. My mother is Welsh. She comes from this town outside of Cardiff and she endured so much. She survived and was there during the IRA bombings, four foot ten. <laughs> there wasn't just the death. There was over 300 injuries. People lost limbs. The blast all but took down the city. I mean, almost every building was 
destroyed, condemned. There were no windows left, I don't think, anywhere. Where I was eight miles away, the plate glass window was shaking as if a tornado was over us. And I can't even imagine being that close to it. At the time of the explosion, hundreds of individuals were inside the Alfred P. Murrah building. Hundreds more worked in the buildings within close proximity. More than 800 people were injured in this bombing. Injuries ranged from cuts and scrapes to severe sprains to broken bones, severe crush injuries, or loss of extremities. Many of those injured were trapped inside the building and under debris for extended periods of time. 168 people lost their lives as a direct result of this bombing, which included a volunteer rescue worker who was killed during the rescue efforts. And very, very sadly, 19 of those who died were children. My mother's sitting in the other room, watching television, relaxing on the couch. We have food in our bellies. I can go and hug her. I can kiss her goodnight. She's still strong. I I can't portray how strong she is. And I'm so thankful. She's helped me through some rough, rough times. And she's never faltered. On today's episode, we covered the Oklahoma City bombing, which had a profound emotional impact on not only the family and friends of those killed and injured in this act of terrorism, but also extended to all Oklahomans and broader still to Americans as a whole. On today's episode, we shared with you the experience of what a single family endured on the heels of this tragedy. And next week, we'll take you through the investigation and explain how law enforcement arrested the domestic terrorists perpetrated the sickening act of violence. All right. A huge thank you for Megan for being our first degree on this episode. If you have a story you would like to tell, please email us. Hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group. We're talking lots of true crime stuff and also not true crime stuff and stick around because we're going to kill some time. And remember only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But But not not that that close. close. (laughs) Happy chicken pot pie day. Happy snack time day. Snack stick day. Are there more days? No. Okay. Snack stick day it is. (laughs) Slim jams. A big thanks to Jared Monica, who does all of our sound design and music production. Big shout out to the production team, Caitlin Cleveland, Taylor Rogers, and Alan Santiago at Podcast One. Research sources for today's episode include the FBI, CNN, the Washington Post, court documents, ABC News, and as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source.
All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Killing Time. And you know, before we start this off, because Billy says he has something, that, some special surprise or some bullshit. But before we do this, I have a question for you too. And that question is, how were the spicy chicken nuggets? They, so <laughs> it's really funny. The previous evening prior to the night, to the day spicy chicken nuggets came out, I wanted to get chicken nuggets. And Billy shamed me into waiting because he's like, you really want to do this the day before the spicy nuggets come really out? I say that was shaming. But- Wait, so this was at, a, at the, obviously we're talking about the McDonald's spicy chicken nuggets. The, you wanted to go to McDonald's the night before, but Correct. he told you to wait for the, for the spice? Yeah. Okay. And I said, okay, fine. And then I went to bed hungry and sad. So the next day... We were hungover. I think it was in the morning. We it, was, it was like 11 over. o'clock in the morning, and I was just like, <laughs> we're doing this. We were hungover. We like drank bourbon, and we have a hot tub here, so it was like we were dehydrated. So we were hungover, and we were trying to work, and then we just ordered so much McDonald's. We got regular nuggets. We got spicy nuggets, 10-piece each. We got Big Macs. We got a junior bacon <laughs> cheeseburger. Uh, Billy got a cheeseburger Happy Meal with a mini fry, even though we got like three huge fries. Mm. The mini fries just taste taste better in the Happy Meal because it's like seven of it in there, and then you have to savor each one. So I love the mini fries. Well, you know the life the, the life hack at McDonald's is you get your fries unsalted, right? Because that makes them do a new batch for you, and then you salt them yourself. Isn't yeah, but the, apparently, apparently the McDonald's people hate that. Like, like the McDonald's workers are just like oh. I'm sure. But it's like, really not about them right now, Billy. <laughs> what if you're on a low sodium diet or something, and then you and then you ask for five packets of salt? Didn't it used to be McDonald's? Have it your way, or is that Burger King? <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. McDonald's. <laughs> I'm um, loving it. Duh. Yeah. So uh, the spicy chicken nuggets were amazing. Were they? And they got, when we ordered them on Postmates, they got to us in probably ten minutes. Tight. So they were just a perfect crisp on the outside, piping hot. Steamy, delicious, <laughs> hot on the inside. It was perfection. What's yeah. the spice like? What are what, what kind of a spice are we talking it had about? A kick. It had a kick. It, and really, the kick comes in like after like fifteen or twenty seconds. So it's like a and, ghost pepper. Yeah, and I, 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 and I will say this <laughs> or something. Mc, McDonald's where where is the sponsorship for first degree? Seriously, you know who just followed where me on that? Instagram, Billy Del, Del Taco. Taco. Yep, Del Taco. I know Del Taco is all about us. They sent they sent me a gift card for twenty five dollars. So did they? We'll see. Yeah. Jared hates Del Taco because his Taco Bell is his favorite restaurant in the world. Like if he could eat anywhere, he'd eat it. Taco Bell. All right. Well, well, Del Taco. I let, like that Del Taco fries. The crinkle yep. fries are delicious. They're maybe in my top five fry. Honestly, the big fat crispy chicken taco from Del Taco is one of my all time favorites. Jack, when we were living together in our Hollywood party days, I would go get them. All the time. And they don't have them all the time, but they just brought them back. Yes. So Del Taco, we know that your social media team probably isn't uh, connected to your advertising team (laughs) or your marketing team, but make that connection right now. Also, Del Taco, I exist too. So I know, but you're a McDonald's gal and I don't ever think, I don't Mm. think I've seen, actually, you know, wait, has McDonald's? I can't remember if any of these fast food places ever do podcast sponsorships because they don't probably have to. They don't need it. They don't, but they need to. Somebody's it's got new, to. I don't even care. They don't need to. It's a new world. <laughs> well, whatever. They don't need to, but. It's, it's post-COVID. Come on. Okay, you so need. the yeah. rating of the spicy chicken nuggets is a 10 out of 10? 10. 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That. But I would say I still love the original more. Mm, really? I Yeah, I just love a nugget. I mean, 
I just love the original nuggets. I love the spicy too, but I'm a ketchup person and people think this is blasphemous that I yes. like to dip my nuggets in ketchup. But you can't dip the spicy ones in ketchup because they've they've got like a What are you supposed to dip them in? Ranch? I thought ranch was ranch. Really, ranch was really good. I would love to see a blue cheese. Ew. If if they would come out with a blue cheese, That's that would be great. Sick. See, I just had a recent love affair with just honey. With the McDonald's Ooh, honey. I was that's like, a good idea. This makes me feel like it really was nostalgic and brought me back to being like Is 10 like years a old. And waffles flavor vibe? Kind of. It's straight, it's just straight honey. It's fucking delicious. Yeah. I mean, highly recommend, guys. But I I, I mean, I, I do a that. whole plethora of a sauce when I do. Cause I'm like, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right. Which You're gonna means. have a smorgasbord of sauces, if you will. All the sauces. They're like, what sauces do you want? I'm like, what sauces do I not want? Yeah. Give me Try a lot. Sway me away from a sauce, I dare you. You can't. <laughs> I dare you. Um, okay, so 10 out of 10 for the chicken nuggets. I'm happy about that. I definitely I need love that. But I need to wait until I'm hungover because I feel like that's when they're the best. Yeah, it's a perfect food for that. Okay, so Billy, you said you had something for killing time, and I'm just interested to see what the hell this could be. Yes, yeah, so we were walking <laughs> in away from this uh, quarantine house that we're in. Mm-hmm. We were walking in the woods, and we started thinking about Winnie the Pooh and the Winnie the Pooh characters. Mm. And we started saying, like, which Winnie the Pooh characters are we? Okay. Alexis was saying that she was Tigger. Okay. You, I, need I, was, a, I need a little bit of a refresh on the on the characters' personalities. Oh, my God. Do you want to hear something funny? I thought Billy was going in a completely different direction with what we were talking about <laughs> on this. We, we talked about this. Okay, we'll get there. But here – can I I'll let can him I go? Start? But give tell me what I need a refresh of the character. I haven't like okay, so there is the wise owl, there's yes. the pantsless poo, there is the rabbit who kind of looks like like sunken-eyed grandmother of sorts. And then Piglet. Then there's Eeyore, then there's Tigger, um, and Piglet. Piglet. And Piglet. Yeah. So would I be Winnie the Pooh because he never wears pants? We we right. thought we, you we might t- say we this. We thought you might say <laughs> that. Winnie the Pooh is wearing a crop top and no pants. And yeah, the star has- of the show. So I was like, she's gonna want to be Pooh. He has my. Sure. He's definitely my style icon. Yeah, and like you literally just said, you're dipping shit in honey. So I think this speaks yeah. for itself. But what did you think? What character did you think I would be? No, we we thought Pooh. No, we thought Pooh. Okay, okay. I thought it was like a, I thought I would be Pooh, but I'm really something else. And then yes, what, and we also thought okay, you would be. So, so I'm Winnie the Pooh. What's what's Billy? Eeyore, obviously, because he's always like <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like literally, I'm glad we talked about this. But this is not what I thought we were going to talk about. I thought when he's like, we're going to talk about the thing we talked about earlier. We're <laughs> earlier that day. I said because you know this isn't the only the only city we have to visit together, and I was saying how happy I was that we were in a house and because it's so collaborative. Like we can go down to the table yeah. and collaborate. And he's like, I, uh, I really like having my privacy though. And I was like, Oh, do you? <laughs> because the day before Billy and I checked our screen time on our phones, uh-huh. mine was three hours. His was 11. So I'm like, you need your privacy to what? Sit on your, sit on your on phone. Instagram. That's all he does. And then we checked for all the weeks. It was never lower than nine hours a day. So Wait, I'm like, Bill, how do you, you really need that? privacy to just sit on your phone all day? You know what? I probably have that. My, my screen time is probably, oh. I write on my phone. I edit on my phone. I do a lot on my phone. Right. Sorry. So you need your privacy to just sit <laughs> on your phone. Yeah. 
Okay, just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. That's because I was like, Bill, you're not that interesting. Like, I love you, but like <laughs> this privacy you think you need as someone who's lived with you now for two straight weeks. What do you All want you, me to do? I'm Maybe just saying you're like, I, I need have, my privacy. I as have if a feeling on the hill. I'm sorry I didn't bring my kiln and I was like like creating pottery. But my, I'm like, you need your privacy. It, he's actually. Usually, like, if you're going to have privacy and alone time, it will be like, are you doing a meditation? Are you reading a book? Are you, like, doing a seance? Like, you're are doing you elusive something. in any way? No, Other you're just sit sitting on your, on your phone, phone no idea what I'm and doing possibly in Googling Billy Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, just on his phone 11 hours a day, which is the amount of time he's awake. So I'm like, you don't need privacy, dude. Love you, but you don't. That is crazy. I just looked at mine. My, my average is like four hours. So Minus I, thought I, three. Would be, I thought I would be way worse than that because I feel like I am always on my phone, but that's not as bad as I thought. It, that 11 really, hours. This how time. are you on? Do you, I is think it, so. I, I honestly, I think some of it is Spotify. No, no, because no, no. when your screen is locked, it doesn't count. It's what only open and active. You learn how to lock your phone and you said you check. What's today's screen time, Billy? Check it. Right, here we go. Here we go. Screen and what time. are your most used apps? Because everybody's is Instagram. You know what? Today. Daily average six. All right. But it's only 830. Six hours and 16 minutes right, right now. But we were, with a, we were with someone all day working. Spotify is an hour and a half. Podcasts are an hour and 25 minutes. Messages is 40 minutes. Mail is 39. Facebook is 27. Instagram's 22. Finder is 19. Maybe it is because his phone's open. Because <laughs> it doesn't no. seem like he's on that. Whatever. That's no, it. literally. This is an app. We were literally engaged in a meeting for like most of the day today. Had we not done that, he would have been on for 11 hours. Maybe oh. 12. Some days it was 13. Like it's crazy <laughs> shit over here. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, am I awake for 13? Well, I guess I am awake for 13 hours. Barely. Barely. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> what about when you sh- like do you shower? Do you eat? I shower with my phone, you know, and I'm listening. I'm listening to an audiobook on my phone, you know. That's I don't. I think we need to do like a little poll and have everybody in our Facebook group post their screen times to see if this I is think normal that would, or not. Yes, I think screenshots. Yes. We want screenshot proof. I will Jared, give my screenshot. Proof what's your as well. What's yeah. your average screen time? Jared just got home. We're going to ask him because hi, Jared. You search, swipe to the left. Okay, well, what this is an interesting. Swipe but tell me when you find it. It is. It's on the search page, isn't it? No, it's notifications and then. then Well, we hope that people are off their phones for a little bit. Have you guys watched The Social Dilemma? Yes. That's how we had gotten the conversation we were watching. We were literally doing it while we were watching uh, The Social Dilemma in our screening room, in our movie theater, in our house on the way. But you're right next to you right now. We're at the card table with the psychedelic background near the bar, near the screening room. You guys have a bar? Yeah. yeah. Does one of you dress up as like a bartender? Billy does. Every night. Jared just changed his to zero minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, that's not that's okay. Whatever, Jared. I get it. There screen time shame is real, as proved by Billy yes. tonight. I mean, screen screen time, um uh wow, what's the word I'm looking for? Denial is also true, Billy. Jared is a screen time denier. <laughs> As is Billy. <laughs> Billy is a screen time denier. This is like an, it's like a climate change denier. The new thing is like a screen time denier. It's almost worse than a flat earther. <laughs> almost, right? It's, they're going to go hand in hand. Like the Facebook groups will cl- cross over. Once you're in a flat earther, then you're going into screen time denier. 100%. The algorithms. 
All right. Well, I think we killed some time. I think we killed enough time. Uh, Let's call it time of death. 12 minutes, 7 seconds. Beep, beep. Boop. Better beep, Billy. Beep. Where'd you go? Beep. I'm Billy. Beep. (laughs) Hi, Jared. Bye. Hi, guys. (laughs)